to start out with a quick recap of where we have been. We continue to work on our memory journals. This should be an ongoing process for each of us. It's also your first stop when you're looking for something to write about. I've also introduced some interesting lists for you to work on. There'll be more of those to come. Back in episode 9, we took a look at the strange and bizarre. We also stopped what we were doing and took a look at the last six months of 2020 and COVID-19. This has been a year that the world will never forget. All of these different topics are to help bring you back into those forgotten memories and lost stories. As I was working on my stories, even before the podcast started, I made an interesting discovery. When I would take the time to remember a date, a person, an event in the past, related memories would start to flood into my mind. Most of these were long-forgotten memories and were surprising to me. Why did, or even a better question would be, how did my mind even keep track of these unimportant, common, everyday details? Going back in time in this way is an interesting experience. By now, I'm hoping many of you have experienced the same thing. This is one of the reasons why I am bringing you through so many different and diverse topics. Today is no different. At some point in our lives, we have all done something that could be labeled as crazy. Now, I realize that there are many different levels of crazy. Some you might be willing to talk about, others not so much. After almost a dozen episodes, we're all about tracking down and telling stories, even the crazy ones. A wide range of stories like this gives a broad view of our lives and who we really are. For this particular writing project, I always try to keep my audience in mind. That's my great-granddaughter, Laura, living 35 years from now out in the future. For me, telling my story to her helps keep everything in perspective. Even asking myself the simple question, would she be interested in this, gets me going in the right direction. Because after all, I'm, I'm just being honest here, no one really cares to hear all my goofy stories. My audience is a young girl living in 2056. That's 100 years after I was born. She loves history, and she really wants to know what it was like living at the end of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st. When she finds and opens up that file box 35 years from now, these stories will be a treasure trove. We want to tell the widest possible range of stories. The good times, the bad times, and today we look at your crazy times. Here's your question. What crazy, over-the-top things have you done in your life? 
This could be something completely out of character that you did. How about, there's no way anyone would do that kind of thing. We have such a wide range of listeners. I have no idea what to expect from you as I ask this question. There are many sides to this topic, including a dark side. So you will need to decide just how much you want to share with the world. If you stole a car and drove it into a lake so no one would find it, that might not be something you want to write down on a piece of paper. And for you friends and relatives listening, I made that one up. I have never or do I know anyone who has ever stolen a car and tried to hide it at the bottom of a lake. This is simply an example of the dark side of this topic. I'm going to share one of my stories in hopes that it might get you going in the right direction. So here you go. There has always been contests and sweepstakes promising the big prize and lots of money. I guess the most well-known of these, and probably the oldest, would be Publishers Clearinghouse. And I think this year's prize is $8,000 a week for life. Not bad. Nowadays, the process is pretty simple. You text a special number, or you enter your email address onto a website and hit send. Back in the oldie-timey days, it wasn't quite that simple. I really wanted to bring my family to Walt Disney World, but we were a single-income family, and there was just no way that we could afford a trip like that. So I hatched a plan. Back then, there was an underground network of people who figured out how to win contests. Now, keep in mind, no websites, no internet. Nothing like that. The only way to track down these people were small ads placed in the back of magazines. Nothing like this even exists anymore. Sadly, magazines barely exist anymore. If I remember right, I found the ad in the back of a Mother Earth news magazine. It was for the contest newsletter. I put a few bucks in an envelope and mailed it off. The newsletter arrived and I was in business. I received a photocopy list of contests and instructions on how to enter them. The information was surprisingly helpful. I was new to the contest game, but I quickly learned that there was a formula and a method that told you how to win a contest. The newsletter ranked dozens and dozens of contests and sweepstakes and estimated the odds of winning. By doing some simple research and a little bit of math, you could tip the odds in your favor. I knew what I wanted to win, an all-expense-paid trip for my family to Walt Disney World. Thanks to the contest newsletter, I had found the secret formula. At this point, I just needed to find the right contest. Now, for those of you on the edge of your seat, I am going to share the secret with you. But keep in mind that this only worked for a small window of time 
back in the 1980s. Ad agencies, product promotion, and lack of technology made the contest newsletter possible. Here's the secret formula on how to win a contest back in the 1980s. Number one, the more local the contest, the better. You have a smaller group of people trying to win. So that's the first one. Number two, something needs to be filled out and sent in, like an entry form. People will not take the time to do it. Now we have even fewer people in the contest. And number three, a clear deadline for the entry form. Entries must be received before midnight on such and such a date. If you were around back in the 80s, you might remember hearing that on TV commercials. Again, way too much work for the average person and too many rules for the average person to follow. That's it. That's the secret. These three simple rules. I had a plan. I just needed to find the right contest. That showed up one day in the beverage aisle in our local grocery store. Coca-Cola was running a contest with a local cable TV company. Right above the Coca-Cola display was a stack of entry forms about the size of a posted note. A small entry form is difficult to fill out. So far, so good. Local cable television company. That tells me the contest was local. Coca-Cola was a concern. Everyone around the world knows who Coke is. But again, the contest was local. The address on the entry form was Minneapolis. Another problem that I had noticed was that the contest was starting to be shown on television. Coca-Cola was using Max Headroom in the promotion of the contest. Now, Max Headroom was a virtual reality character spokesperson. He was only around for a few years near the end of the 1980s. If you Google Max Headroom, you can see some of his videos. Now, this wasn't a perfect plan, but I had three of the most important things going in my direction. Difficult entry form, local contest, and they did have an entry deadline. Best of all, the prize was an all-expense-paid trip to Walt Disney World for the whole family. Now, some people in this contest hobby would send hundreds of entries. I decided to only send a dozen. I carefully filled out the entry forms, addressed the envelopes, and sent them off. Postage back then was 22 cents for a stamp, so I spent like three bucks for the whole project. Now, I mentioned earlier that there are many different levels of crazy. With this particular story, I have two levels of crazy. The first, who in their right mind is going to set out to discover the secret formula for winning a contest? Looking back, I even think that's a little nuts. The second and craziest part of the story is that I actually won the contest. 
we received the all-expense-paid trip to Walt Disney World. The cable TV company called and said that we had won the contest. They wanted the whole family to come down to the station so they could shoot some promotional spots featuring us as the winners. So there you go. Sometimes crazy wins the contest. We had a wonderful week in Orlando. Your assignment. What crazy things have you done in your life? I only told one of my stories. I've got many, many more. We're going to end this episode a little differently. Over the years, I have been collecting questions, thinking that someday this might make a great book. The questions have come from everywhere. Lectures, sermons, books, motivational speakers, teachers, experts, and interviews. Recently, I've been finding them on TED Talks and podcasts, YouTube. I have decided to end each of our episodes with one of these questions. Spend some time on this. These questions are a great way to reflect on who you are, where you are, and where you're going. Here you go. If you could go back in time and talk to your 10-year-old self, what advice would you give? There's a lot of possible answers here. One of mine is this. On December 12, 1980, buy as much Apple stock as you can possibly afford. Here's a modification you could make to this question. Change your age. What advice would you give to your 20, 30, 40-year-old self? Okay, there you go. Have fun, and we will see you next time on You Have Stories.